0: Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on 4th and 1. So, you know, it's with that time, serves.
1: Welcome to 4th and 1. I'm Todd Palmer, joined as always by Nick Jacobs. And uh, Nick, slow news week in Chiefs Kingdom. Um, I don't really know how we're going to fill, you know, 30 minutes of podcasts. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any storylines around this Chiefs-Packers game.
0: <clears throat> I don't know, dude. I mean, my mentions, you know, my mentions are very passionate about <laughs> Ben Neiman, Daniel Sorensen, and Dorno Daniel. So if you want to get people to listen, you can talk about
1: that. <laughs> I was going to say, ob- obviously that's where we need to start is Ben Neiman.
0: Clear, um, I mean, clearly, because, you know, that's, you know.
1: Now, look, the Aaron Rodgers situation, man, is, is, is an odd one. Um, he's not going to play. He came down with COVID, um,
0: and that was he tested positive. I mean, we don't know what he's, we don't know his symptoms, Todd.
1: Okay. Right. Well, that, that's, I mean, that's the same thing. I'm not, I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't presume to know whether he's, you know, got a, a sore throat or whether he's asymptomatic or whatever. But
0: I just um, love like the fact that he was on Pat McAfee's show the day before. And like, I'm watching his 50 minute interview and everything. And he's, you know, talking about Mahomes and how much he loves watching him and kind of, how much Mahomes reminds him of him and some, some of the things Mahomes is going through that Aaron went through during that point in his career and early on. And it's just a fascinating conversation and Aaron Rogers really, really open in, in, uh, when he's on Pat McAfee's show on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I, I enjoy always listening to it, but I, I just, man, I never thought within less than 24 hours later that it was gonna all, uh, all go sideways the way that it did for that game. Right. And look, and,
1: Bummer for the fans,
0: right? Because this is the second time in three seasons
1: we've, you know, we've, you know, you kind of circle that, that Pat Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers chiefs versus Packers matchup. And two years ago, Patrick Mahomes is out with the knee injury. And and instead you get Matt Moore against Aaron Rodgers, And now it's going to be Jordan love against Patrick Mahomes. But I do want to, if you're in that green Bay locker room, are, are you upset? At all about the way this is played out, because if if Aaron Rodgers had been vaccinated, and he he tried to make it sound like he was, um, you know, back in you know when he was asked at the end of training camp whether he had been vaccinated, he said, "Yeah, I've been immunized." And so I, I mean, I know the word "immunized" is you know doesn't mean the same thing, but when when somebody asks you a direct question like that and you say, "Yeah," Um, I think people are understandably going to take that to mean that that he has been,
0: and now he's and he's hot. That's the number one rule in journalism: you got to pay attention to the fine details of how they answer at press conferences. Right. No, and the I get fine the fine
1: details. Right, but when you ask if I said Nick, do you like steak, and you said yeah, I would assume that that meant yeah, you like steak, if you then followed it up and said something about, you know, like, like I know for a fact that you only like Impossible Burgers, right? Like that, you know, um, you're, you're very anti-red meat and stuff like that. Um, you know, so if you followed that up and said, yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of like the Impossible Whopper. Um, you know, I mean, that would probably raise some quite, I, but I think he was being intentionally deceptive. Um, especially with the use of the word gather. That's the word that I'm seizing on more than the word immunized.
0: And as I said before, Todd, (laughs) it's all about the fine print, my man. And that's why whenever people were talking about, well, he said, he said he'd been vaccinated, said he'd been vaccinated. No, that's not the word he used. And he never said I have been vaccinated for COVID. Those words never came out of his mouth. So when those don't happen, Guess what I don't do, Todd? I don't assume. But people assumed with it, and guess what? <clears throat> he accomplished what he wanted. He didn't ask that question anymore after that because they all kind of ran with that assumption.
1: Yeah, but, it, but if you're one of his teammates and now you're in a situation where you're the number one, you're in position to be the number one seed in the NFC. Like, you control your own fate after winning that game against the Arizona Cardinals. And now you may be without your leader, the reigning MVP, for two games does, does that have the I mean obviously it's already a distraction but th- does that have the potential you think to to create some frustration in the locker room especially if they lose this game and if he you know the earliest he'd be eligible to come back is next Saturday so it's it's an open I mean I I I think that regardless of whether he practices next week I still think unless Jordan Love sets the world on fire Sunday I still think uh, Aaron Rodgers has enough experience and knows the, the playbook well enough that you can play him that Sunday. But I, I don't know. I mean, like there was a lot of talk during the off season, regardless of whether you're for or against the vaccine, about the NFL rules and the competitive advantage that it gives you to have the majority of your team vaccinated. And here you are pushing to try to win a Super Bowl, and, and you know it may have been derailed because. Uh, you know, because of that situation, and I think that's what a lot of people feared coming into the season. I know that's part of the reason why uh, you know Patrick Holmes talked about it in the offseason, why he was encouraging his teammates to do it, and why he got it uh, was for that very reason.
0: All right. So to go back to your question, um, <laughs> the 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 first thing I can I'll say in this regard is look, you already he already made it to where they had to deal with questions about him not coming back or maybe retiring or all that stuff. And they all had to deal with that no matter where they probably went or what they did. So if I were in their shoes, I would already been annoyed by dealing with that all the time. And with that being the situation there, it's just another time where it's going to be a distraction. People are going to have to talk about it and they're going to have to say, none of my, it looked like the talking point their PR staff gave them was, um, you know, it's a, I'm not gonna comment on other people's medical, you know, medical situation or history or however the phrase was used, but <clears throat> you can tell when a PR department's been involved because multiple people use the same line as their go-to whenever they get asked that question. So yeah, that was I, clearly the Packers one on that one. No, but, they've got it, they've they've definitely got a, a
1: daffer that is that is managing the message there because they were they were on point. Um so
0: so, anyways, um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, look, look. I use yeah right there too. So who knows? What I'm gonna follow <laughs> on who
1: knows? Be like, well, I assume that the next words out of your mouth will be uh, deceptive.
0: <clears throat> Todd, everything <laughs> I do is deceptive towards you. Um, fair, fair point. But no, what I was going to say is that <clears throat> the only way that this turns into a bad or frustrating situation for his teammates down the road, <clears throat> is if they look back on this moment later on, and they're frustrated by that being the difference and why they didn't do, why they didn't win the Super Bowl or why they didn't do this or why they didn't do that. But if, <clears throat> if Jordan Love goes out there and sets the world on fire, which is probably what the front office is kind of hoping for, so that they can evaluate how he's doing this. <clears throat> This game has a lot of impact on the Packers' future and partially probably a portion of Aaron Rodgers' future there. If Jordan Love is able to do a good job and able to hold his own in that offense with LaFleur and everything up there, then I think that Green Bay front office and them are gonna be ready to move on from Aaron after this year. So Oh, I, I absolutely after what they went is,
1: through after what they went through in the off season and now with this um, I, I, you know, I agree. I think the front office is hoping that Jordan loves comes, comes out and plays well. Cause I think they're ready to, to move on if they can. Yeah.
0: So this was kind of, this is another one of those crossroad moments that they're going to get a part of their answer about what, where they're going to head. And it, it'll be something that teammates, I think will teammates will have their opinions down the road privately on it. I don't think right now that I think they're just trying to get through the week. And, but I think down the road, this could be what kind of teammates are okay with with Aaron moving on as if this turns into something that kind of kept them from achieving their ultimate goals right and and you know, earlier in the week too Von
1: Miller gets traded for a second and third round pick um you know he's now with the Los Angeles Rams so um the good news if you're really looking forward to Mahomes Rogers clashes you, you know you should get two cracks at it when he's in Denver next year
0: I don't know man I mean we'll, we'll see where he's gonna be at I mean I know that First, off, I think Denver's going fi- to going to have to figure out who their head coach is next year. So, <clears throat> I think that's the first one they're going to have to wrestle with, and then they'll go from there. I think whoever the head coach is would take uh, Aaron Rodgers. <clears throat> yeah, but I'm saying you got to have you got to have that in place first before you go. You're out here putting the cart before the before the horse. Don't no, do it. I, I, I'm ready for it. We're going to get we're going to get those Rodgers
1: bones games one way or another, man. Uh, but I do want to ask. Look, I mean, <clears throat> I I think you 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 might you're not going to make wholesale changes to the offense if you're the Packers, right? Like, no, you you will evaluate this week in practice if there are if there are things that Jordan Love is more comfortable with than Aaron Rodgers is comfortable with, you know. You might, uh, you know, I, Matt Lafleur is savvy enough, I think, to tailor the game plan a little bit if needed it, you know if, if there is a difference in between what you feel like those guys can do and do well on the field but you're not reinventing the wheel here you're still going to get a heavy dose of Devonte Adams and a heavy dose of Aaron Jones but i want to know from you what are your expectations for Jordan Love we you know there's only there's some film from his days at Utah State but you know there's some preseason film this year
0: oh don't worry i watched all the preseason
1: stuff right and oh i know that's why I'm, that's why i'm setting you up for this yeah. There wasn't any preseason film from 2020 though. I mean, you've got some garbage time, you know, throws of seven throws that he made in garbage time in that you know season opening, you know, beating that they took against the saints in Jacksonville. But I mean, you know, what do you see from, from Jordan and what's Jordan love? And what's realistic to expect
0: from him in this game? Well, I don't think he's advanced any further than what I saw in the Jordan love uh, preseason <laughs> abilities. And part of what they're going to have to attack from what I saw in those games, as soon as his back foot hits, he wants that ball out. And he's already read that half of the field, one, two, one, two. And then he knows where his check down is. And he's very conscientious of where that check down is going to be. So he knew route-wise where, what was going on, where he needed to be with that. So I personally think, the, and and he likes to step up. After that back foot hits, he wants a ball. If not, he will step up. He will shuffle up twice, reset his feet, and then he wants to make the throw, or he's going to take off scrambling. And and normally that throw is the checkdown. So he's a very, in my opinion, he's a much more robotic quarterback than Deshaun Watson was during his rookie season with the with the Texans. And I I see a guy with Jordan Love that. What gets him knocked off is if you off kilter is if you take away read one or you bait him on read one, and read two is nearby typically, and if you take away his you know if his checkdown's not there, or during that time if you have the pocket the interior the pocket collapsing in on him, I think that's I think that's going to lead to a lot of a lot of sacks actually, to where if the Chiefs get their ends to come up wide and kind of corral him in and the defensive tackles can collapse the interior pocket in on him. I think he's going to have a tough day. I think he's going to have a really tough day. And I just, I think that there's going to, there's going to be some opportunities, especially, especially if they get in with some long down and distances, especially on third down. But what the Packers are going to have to do is they're going to have to get the ball in Aaron Jones' hands out in checkdowns. And then they're going to have to also run the ball. Like They're going to have to keep favorable down in distances so they can move the chains with five- to seven-yard routes and passes. And if they do those things, then I think that they'll – Jordan Love will look confident, but he's not He's not going to be confused, confused with Aaron Rodgers pushing the ball down the field and being able to make almost every throw that Aaron Rodgers does. Yeah, look, I, I think Devontae Adams – um, all
1: apologies to the Tyreek H- Hill fans out there in Chiefs. can, I think Devonte Adams is probably, um, uh, the best wide receiver in the NFL the last few years.
0: Also in a uh, contract year,
1: right. Which is undefeated as, as our old friend, Therese Paylor used to love to say. Um, I, I think the one thing that does concern me a little bit is, you know, those tendencies, I, I think if, if the chiefs are, are, are looking at those two might make them a little bit vulnerable to, um, some double moves on the backside, especially if you're rolling coverage to Devonte Adams side and you have say, an Alan Lazard, um, you know, and he does a, you know, does a, a hitch and go or, or, or some sort of double move on the outside. And, and, you know, and you, you get defenders out of position. We know that the chiefs have given up some big plays in the passing game, um, you know, and, and so I wouldn't be surprised if they try to work some of those in early, you know, do something to give Jordan love some confidence, um, you know, but uh, you know, I, 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 I th- I think they're also going to try to get some rhythm throws to him. You know, like you said, working Aaron Jones um, and stuff like that. Um, Because, I mean, look, I still have seared into my memory, like linebackers trailing and falling farther behind, like, like, you know, like me trying to chase down Usain Bolt in the open field when, you know, two years ago the Chiefs and Packers met and Aaron Jones just went crazy in that game. Um, I, I, I do, you know, it sounds like though, I think one of the issues that, that they're going to face in this game is the Packers, like the chiefs defense has actually played fairly well the last few weeks, only given up seven points in the second half of games and their defensive line has played a little bit well. Frank Clark, um, has shown some flashes of, you know, say 2019 Frank Clark at times. Um, you know, they, they've, you know, they had three sacks, which tied their, Their season high. Granted, two of them came at the, at the end of the game. So it wasn't like they were dominant with the pass rush all game, but they've, they've certainly shown, um, you know, if you go back to the Tennessee game, I thought that one of the reasons Nick Bolton had some success was I thought the defensive line did a good job occupying blocks in front of him and giving him some, some, you know, the ability to get upfield and make some plays. I think this Packers offensive line is better than the offensive lines they face though, which makes me worry that we might see the defensive line regress a little bit.
0: Um, I still think the Cleveland Browns is the best line that they faced. Ravens was pretty good, and then the Titans honestly may be the best one. I don't. I don't know if the Packers are. <clears throat> I don't think the Packers are superior to any of the three of those offensive lines. I still think Titans probably the best one that they <clears throat> that they played collectively, especially in the run game. And well,
1: they, remember LeJuan, Taylor the one wasn't in that
0: game though. Um, yeah, he didn't have to be. They still like, I mean, what they what Munchak built there, like it's still it still lives down there with a lot of the offensive line, a lot of that scheme, the way they fire off the ball, and how physical they are. So, <clears throat> I still don't think. I, I personally don't think the Packers. I, I mean, I'm not saying the Packers is going to be better than the Eagles and Washington and the Chargers, definitely. And then. Yeah, better better than the Bills. Be better than the Bills, but I I would say I think the Packers would probably be somewhere in between, probably three to four in terms of <clears> O <throat> lines they they played because they just the Packers don't put on a clinic like uh, like the Browns do. Browns put on a clinic like they they put on you know they, they charge to uh, forty nine eighty nine for the seminar where you could watch Bill Callahan just work over the Chiefs defense with. Um DVD commentary underneath the director's cut. Um, I would I would have bought that personally. I'm not gonna lie. I love watching Bill Callahan coach an offensive line. That dude's that dude's a genius. And and the wave that the Cowboys rode for as long as they did because of how well he coached and what Washington was able to ride because of how well he coached and kept that in place. Just wherever Bill Callahan goes, he leaves behind a quality offensive line for the next coach to kind of um Basically, collect checks on for a couple of years. So, but I will say, I don't know. I'll be mean, there's a lot of opportunities to get pressure, especially at the right guard, right tackle position. They leave themselves open a lot there. The Packers pass protection does. So, I think there's some opportunities, with some overloads. And I think there's some opportunities in there in the B gap between the right guard, right tackle. And if they do some movement, I, it would not surprise me if the chiefs were able to get three or four sacks, if they combine everything together, if they're capable of as a defensive line. Yeah. I mean, I
1: think the wild, the wild card is David Bakhtiari. And, you know, if he comes back and Elkin Jenkins can push back into the guard spot, um, you know, I think it becomes um, uh, a little bit, a little bit dicier, I think for that, uh, for that, uh for that defensive line. I mean, because Bactiari is one of the best left tackles out there. And they, they've been a little bit coy about whether he um is going to be available. He's coming off the torn A C L at the end of last year. Um, you know, but um if if he comes back that, you know, I mean, who knows where he's at health wise, but that would be uh that
0: would be the one reason that I, I, I'd be a little bit concerned. Well, time will tell. I just know that When Aaron Rodgers was doing his interview the other day and talking about him, he didn't he didn't seem like an overgiddy guy because the original (laughs) promise he said was uh, backyard. He was gonna promise he'd be back by week one if Aaron came back to the Packers, and he made the comment. He's like, "Well, I'm still waiting." It's like week eight, week nine now. So Aaron didn't sound like a guy that that thought he was. He didn't have a tone that like, "Oh, I'm hiding something. He's gonna be available." So I don't know. We'll see. Well, what did he say specifically,
1: though? Um, because as we know, Aaron Rodgers is sometimes deceptive in the media. So was there any subtext to read there that makes you think Bakhtiari is coming back? No. What were his exact words, Nick?
0: I don't have them on me right now, <laughs> Don. But I can send you a link so you can listen to all 50 minutes. <laughs> all right.
1: I'll do it off air. Um, look there is some news about that defensive line though, obviously for the chiefs, you know, they traded for Melvin Ingram. The third is he, does he come in? Is he the best pass rusher? Um, you know, pure defensive end uh, on the chiefs roster. Now that they've added him he's probably
0: right now, he's, he's easily their most athletic one. Like, I mean, that dude's still got a lot of pop and his bull rush and he's, he can still get around a corner, man. And his top starts actually pretty good. his spin move is wicked. That spin move is tasty. <laughs> the Chiefs have not had the Chiefs have not had somebody on the roster that has the spin move like he does, man. It's almost it's right up there with Khalil Max's spin move. Like it's it's it nasty. Corners, and if he crazy. can if he can be paired up with Chris Jones or Wharton on his side and be in a wide nine and just get that tackle to take a couple false steps and just hit him with that spin move, like he's gonna destroy Jordan Love. So, I, and and like we talked about on the podcast the other day before the trade deadline, like a pass rusher was like the number one thing they could they can add that can help them immediately. But you don't necessarily need to know a playbook for. It. You're just like, hey, I need you to contain on this play, play a nine tech, and you know, <clears throat> cut up at twelve. Like, you know, you could do that type of stuff with it. And I mean, look, Ingram's a physical defensive end. Still, I mean, there's there's still. There's still a lot of promise there, even though he's had issues with both knees over the years. But as long as you're smart about a snap count, basically what I'm getting at is it's not Terrell Suggs. You know, it's not Terrell right. Suggs all over again. Like Ingram still has athletic ability left that is better than Frank Clarks. And he's some of his athletic abilities right up there with Chris Jones in terms of quick twitch and everything. So there's there's a ton of promise there if you – find the right balance of snap count with him and either him and Dana or him and Frank Clark. Like there's, there's a ton that can be had there. And
1: it'll be interesting to see how Steve Spagnuolo and Andy Reed handle it because um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know whether we're going to see how much we're going to see Ingram out there. I still don't know whether, you know, he's going to start out being maybe rotational with with Clark or or whether they're just going to go straight, you know, Ingram. And then, look, I, I think the biggest part of this is if this is ultimately what convinces them to use Chris Jones inside more, because now you can at some point, whether it's this weekend or down the road, have Melvin Ingram and Frank Clark at the defensive ends, and now you've got Chris Jones on the interior with Eric Nadi on rundowns Wharton? and Wharton on pass downs. Oof. Um all of a sudden, that defensive line uh, looks a lot better, um, looks like a kind of line that that is a headache in terms of the pass rush. Um, you know, and if you start bringing blitzes off that in key situations with the creativity that, that Spags can come up with, you know, overloading the A-gaps, especially with Chris Jones and their things like that, all of a sudden, I'm a lot less concerned about that. That that means that there's less reason to be concerned about some of the coverage issues that, that they've had at times because... Opposing quarterbacks aren't going to have the same time in the pocket. I, I like the trade. Um, I think that he was probably, um, you know, for the cost of a six rounder. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I think the Chiefs get better with this trade. You know, as long as he can stay healthy.
0: Yeah, and, and hey, I, I didn't mention his name by accident the other day. It wasn't right. an accident on my part. Well, and look, I mean, I know a lot of
1: Chiefs fans are frustrated. Like, well, why didn't we just sign him? you know, when he came for a visit in the first place. But look, man, when a guy comes in in March, um, you know, and he's looking for two years, whatever he wants on that deal. um, I don't think he was ready to accept the $4 million, Mm. one year $4 million deal that he No, not in March. I can tell you that right now. Right. So four months later, when he signs that deal with Pittsburgh, it's not fair to compare that. Well, why did they let him leave in March? Well, In March, he wasn't signing a one year $4 million deal. Mm. They weren't giving it to him. And who knows what the chief's medical staff thought about his knees at that point. You know, I I mean, obviously they felt comfortable at this point bringing him in, but that doesn't mean that they felt comfortable at the number he and his agent wanted with whatever issues they have from his medical history or other things like that. Uh, It just didn't match up. Um, So, I don't think it's fair to compare. That's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison to say, well, he only signed for $4 million. Why didn't they just do that in March? It's not It's not the same situation.
0: I can promise you right now, if you wanted $4 million in March, they would have signed him immediately. <laughs> 100% right, right. Like, I don't think he would have <clears throat> left me put, the industry. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, let, yeah I, I. I mean. I don't think the price points were in the same ballpark at that time. Right. And now
1: he can fit under the cap. And and now, you know, um, the Chris Jones experiment it is what it is. Um, I don't think it I don't think it's fair to say it's been a complete failure, but especially with the wrist injury and the lack of reps there, it's hard to call it a success either. Um, you know, and and if this is an acknowledgement of that and, and they're gonna kind of move Chris Jones back inside, like I said, I think all of a sudden the Chiefs have uh, you know, maybe this is the, the missing piece or or maybe we'll be back here next week talking about how they still don't have a pass rush. Who knows?
0: (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. We'll see.
1: The other interesting one to me is Anthony Hitchens, right? Like he, he'd been out a couple games, went out with a triceps injury, um, in the Washington game. And so Nick Bolton, has started at middle linebacker. Um, and all he did was have 26 tackles the last two weeks and win NFL defensive rookie of the month for October, um, I just, it's hard for me to, to, uh, I know how the team feels about veteran guys. It's just hard for me to see them pulling Nick, Nick Bolton out of the lineup and putting Hitchens back in there. But I do think that if Hitchens can play weak side uh, linebacker, you know, with Willie Gay on the strong side, and that means fewer reps for Ben Neiman, who, by the way, had more reps than any other linebacker on Monday night against the Giants. If, if Willie can Anthony Hitchens, uh, you know, do that. And and do you think that's a smarter way to utilize him if he's back and he's able to play is just to, to keep Nick Bolton where he is and, and maybe, um, you know, reduce the amount of time that Ben Neiman is exposed to say a screen pass.
0: My answer to all that's yes. Um, Nick Bolton needs to stay at the mic position. He's a big reason why their run defense has gotten as good as it has the past couple weeks, even facing a physical Titans front. Nick Bolton, <clears throat> it should be your Mike no matter what the rest of the year. That's his. That's his home. That's what we talked about in this podcast for months and months. I was like, look, he's a Mike <laughs> linebacker. Like they keep, you know you' keep trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. It's not working out. There's a reason why. And then they put him in there, and they're like, oh, look at look at that. Oh, that's weird. He's physical and provides an attitude, and he's somebody we want to build around now. Was, was he one of the best linebackers in the SEC? Who knew? <laughs> it's super confusing. Um, but, I mean, because playing the will position, like, you know, like that exposed his – Lack of athletic ability, needing to get in the space. When you got guys who are out on the edge like that at, at the Sam or Will position, they got to be athletic. They got to be Willie Gay style athletic as a as a linebacker. So that's why somebody like Daniel Sorensen actually wouldn't be a bad um, Will linebacker. And, and I think the Chiefs could put Anthony Hitchens there, and I think he'll do a little bit better because I don't think he'll be dealing with the traffic on both sides as much. So I just I I, I think. You give Hitchens a world, the will position when you're in the base set, and then sub package you you rotate whatever you need to from there with Hitchens and Hitchens and Willie Gay. That's completely that's the road I would go down on that one.
1: Yeah, and and look, I, Hitchens has has had his issues with tackling. Hitchens has had his his issues in pass coverage too. But look, if nothing else, like you know. Um, I, I think it's worth trying somebody in there over Ben Neiman at times just to see if you can get a little bit better play from that position.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think they make themselves stronger as a defense if their front four and pass rushing downs is Melvin Ingram, Frank Clark, Wharton, and Jones. Like, that's that's your best pass rushing lineup, and you could do some damage there. Yeah. Now, when you're in your base set, Dana being the run stuffer on one side helps you a lot more. And then having Naughty in there helps you a lot more. And then you rotate if you need to between Reed and Jones. And then you know Clark and maybe Ingram on that other side if you need to. And then a linebacker, like you said, Sam needs to be the Willie Gay. Mike needs to be Bolton. And then your will needs to be Hitchens. You do that. You give yourself a really good chance to slow down the Packers in the flats and in their in their run game. And you make Jordan Love very one-dimensional. So, I mean, it, the, I, they have the personnel to do it. We will see if they're actually willing to do it on Sunday. And then if they're not, we'll hear about it in our mentions. So, <laughs> as if we have any control over, you know, what they end up doing. Yeah. I wish I i wish I could talk to Steve Spagnuolo and be like, hey, hey, you're causing me a lot of problems in my mentions there, sir. Or, Or at least, you know, ask
1: him. Why
0: Um, uh, let me switch gears real quick to
1: the the chiefs offense, because they have struggled more than uh, chiefs fans are used to seeing them struggle. And that starts with Patrick Mahomes. Um, And look, if you listen to this podcast, you know that we've talked about the issues at, at left tackle at right tackle you see it crop up a lot. We've talked about the issues with with the lack of a number two and, frankly, a number three receiver, um, and the issues that that's caused. Those aren't going away, certainly this week at least, right? So, I mean, you've got the you know the Packers and their three four scheme. They've got uh, what I think is is a pretty darn good secondary. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that they have a terrifying pass rush though. Um, they
0: don't, and I don't like their linebacker play.
1: Right. So is this a get right game maybe for Travis Kelsey now? Because, you know, maybe Pat has that extra half second that that makes a difference in the goal line late in the in the Monday night game. You know, if he doesn't see feel that pressure from, you know, coming around looping around the back end from Orlando Brown and, and kind of go out and get tackled by the spy for an eight yard loss there. I mean, is this a game where given the struggles they have in that intermediate area, that this is the game, maybe Travis Kelsey, um, you know, if, if he's feeling a little bit better with that, after that neck injury, he suffered in the bills game can, can get back on the same page with Patrick Mahomes.
0: I think it just depends on how, um, Barry and gray, uh, decide to go after the chief's offense and try to slow them down. I think that'll be a big part of it. And and I'm curious to see how the Chiefs potentially, if they'll help Orlando Brown or Niang at times based on what they're wanting to do. I think if they if they do those things, then I think that can give Patrick a little bit more comfort in that pocket. And then I think it may buy a couple seconds for the offense to kind of get get back into a better rhythm and get back into some better throws. And then, you know, I mean, also utilizing the run game on a regular basis because, man, I'll tell you what that Packers defense—they—they they are awful at the cutback because of their linebackers. They're—they are terrible. Like I mean, the cutback's there all day long. Like you could—you could open up a gift shop in there. Like people could go, you know, check around, see, browse, you know, see if there's anything they like. You know, trying to send it to their Aunt Tilly, you know, in the state of uh, Oklahoma, or where she, Aunt Tilly may be living. But I mean, they, like, there's, Virginia. There's in Virginia. There's plenty of time. Plenty of time. That they give you with the cutback lanes, like they're they're wide open. Like I'm pretty sure you can drive a dump truck through some of those that I saw. Uh, Could Daryl Williams and Derek Gore take advantage of it though? The first person I thought of when I saw was like, I was like, oh my goodness, Derek Gore would just destroy this cutback right here. It'd be so. I mean, you just got to stretch them out, and if you stretch them out, boy, I will tell you what, those cutback lanes, they they are there on a regular basis on either side. So I'm. I'm curious to see what the Chiefs are able to do with that regard. With that regard. I mean, the shotgun runs just won't be – They the, the RPOs, I, I don't know. The off-tackle part of it's not going to be there. The cutback may be there depending on how they have their boxes set at times. If they got five in the box or six in the box, I mean, they'll definitely be there. But, man, there are some stretch runs to be had from under center.
1: Yeah, and, and um, look, I mean, they've got some of the same – same issues the Chiefs do with, in terms of the athleticism with the linebacker group, Rashawn Gary is the one guy who, um, you know, can be disruptive, but, but it's more as a, as a pass rusher than it is as a, you know, as a guy that's making tackles for losses and putting together the kind of performance that Nick Bolton did against the Titans. Um, So, I mean, what's your feeling on, on what the expectation should be for the Chiefs in this Mm one? I mean, yeah, you know, they I I they didn't have an impressive win Monday against no. the Giants. Do you care at this point whether they have an unimpressive game against a a player making his first career NFL start and against a defense that, you know, they should be able to exploit or do you just want to see them find a way to put another W on the board and move on?
0: Um, at minimum, a W would be great cuz going into this game with Aaron Rodgers, I didn't know that was going to work out, so maybe in a win that kind of falls in their favor and then you take full advantage of that part of it. But no, you want to see, you want to see the execute you want to see the offense execute and fire on all cylinders, not have discipline issues with holding penalties or some other penalty and, and, you know, get driven back five, 10 yards, whatever, because of some stupid, you know, mis- tension detail mistake that they made. Don't want to see that. You want to see Pat be comfortable in the pocket and then you, you know, I want to see the run game destroy the cutbacks that they're gonna be allowed to have if they want them. So and then there's gonna be some chances on some screen passes with the way they're gonna play off and some of their coverages. Like you can you can run some screen passes and attack those linebackers and keep the keep the chains moving. So I mean there's plenty of opportunities for this Chiefs offense to attack their defense. So and man, I tell you what, they let the quarterback they let the quarterback run all over them if they want to. Taylor Hene- Taylor Henneke of the Washington like the amount of times he was able to get out of that pocket and just take off running. I'll be curious to see if the Packers try to put a spy on him. Um, Cause if they do, then I think that's going to open up one of the other guys in one-on-one coverage to be able to beat, um, beat their secondary. So I mean, I, I just, I think there's a lot of unfavorable matchups for the Packers against the Chiefs offense. It's just a matter of the Chiefs executing. If they, if they execute, I, I could see Chiefs offense I could score 35 without a problem.
1: I think we're going to see that, that
0: offense again at some
1: point this year. I really do. Um, You know, whether it's this week or not, I don't know, but I I think you are going to see that more familiar chiefs offense at some point this year. So
0: um, you did on the first 15 last week for about handful of plays. till they got there at the goal line and then they did their razzle dazzle. And then that just got them off kilter at that point.
1: Right. And I mean, at this point you're talking about finishing two more drives, right? Like, two yeah. or three more drives is the difference right now. And and I think they're capable of it. And I think a, a lot of, I think the chiefs were a very efficient, very dominant offense early in the season. The turnovers have taken a toll. And I think that's taken a toll on the confidence.
0: And I think the, yeah, there's, there's for, throws, there's throws that Pat won't make now that he would have just been like, yeah, we're trying this one. My arm can do it. Like yeah. he's, he's a little, he's much more hesitant at a, uh, Making some of the throws, and he's doing the calculations right then and there. Like that last Kelsey one, that he looks open, but on coaches' film, you see the spy that's in the way and could cause issues. And there's certain times where that window closes, and Mahomes the last year would have chucked it in, done some little sidearm thing, all that stuff. And this time, he's like, ah, I'm not gonna throw it there because you can tell he's thinking that may ricochet off and hit one of those two defenders in double coverage or that safety behind. So. Mahomes has been a lot more cautious this year. Not a bad thing, just that he's, he's been more cautious about the, a lot of the throws he's making.
1: Well, and I, and I think it's grown, you know, as the interceptions have piled up. And so, but I, so to me, that's what I want to see from the offense. I, you'd love to see him, you know, put together a run game and and dominate on the ground. Like they did say in Buffalo last year where, um, you know, they were able to do that. But more than anything, I I'd, I'd love to see like Patrick Mahomes just out there smiling, having fun and feeling more like himself. Cause I don't think he has felt like himself. And I think a lot of it's related to confidence. Um, I, I think as, as you alluded to, they might have to help a little bit, uh, at the left tackle spot, if they want some of that confidence to come back, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and hopefully they'll figure it out. Um, I, I you know, but, but we'll see. All right. Last thing I want to talk to you about is, uh, Deshaun Jackson is now a free agent.
0: Oh, no, um, LDT. I thought you were going to throw LDT. Oh, yeah. No,
1: in. let's do, let's talk about LDT real quick. Yeah, but let's um, make
0: these quick, man. I got plans.
1: Laurent Duvari Tardif um, traded to the Jets. Look, I think this was, uh, first of all, classy guy. Wish him nothing but the best. Laurent duvarrier Tardif, um, you know, deserves all the accolades he gets. Intelligent guy, obviously. Um, you know, I mean, for him to do what he did last year, um, you know, and take some time away to, to as, as a, as a doctor to go fulfill his, you know, what he felt like was his duty to help amid the pandemic um, in his native Canada last year. I mean, tip of the cap, but I think this was also a classy thing of the chiefs to do, Um, you know, because LDT obviously wasn't going to play with, with Trey Smith there. Um, and, And I think it's a sign of respect that they said, all right, we will find a place that you will have an opportunity to play more and we will make it happen. Cause I don't think they necessarily needed Dan Brown. Um, you know, um, so I, I think it was a classy move by the chiefs to also let him find his second, a second act of his career.
0: Well, people on Twitter know my thoughts about Duvernay Tardif as a football player. Yeah. I mean, he was your favorite player ever, right? Or or was that somebody, (laughs) I mean, he was equivalent of a turnstile at times when it came to pass rush. The problem for LDT here in Kansas city. Well, look, when they drafted him, he was a very raw, athletic piece of clay, very athletic offensive lineman that they were going to need to. Somebody like Bill Callahan would have turned him into a rock star. Like, I'm just telling you that right now. Um, but LDT, the habit that he built over time, and Broncos would have relentlessly, Wade Phillips would have relentlessly attacked this, and a lot of other coordinators did too. He, you could set him up and get him to turn his shoulders. And once you get an offensive lineman to turn their shoulders and pass protection on a regular basis towards the sidelines, like there's lanes that are being created there on purpose to exploit, whether it's with a blitz or with a twist or a game or a loop stunt, whatever you want to do with it, whatever you call it in your terminology. I mean, like there's, there was opportunities and teams would, teams would go after him and set him up with that all the time. And that was just, that was a problem of his. And then, you know, people assume because Dorsey paid him all that money that he was this elite offensive lineman when he was kind of an average middle-of-the-road offensive lineman. And that's not me trying to be mean. That's just what the tape showed. Like, that guy athletically could get out into space. He could pull, but he wouldn't knock anybody off the ball, uh, off the ball when he pulled. Like, I mean, he, he he would be there. There'd be a stalemate. But he wasn't doing what Trey Smith does to people you know, or, you know, what a assembly did before his knee injuries. Like, that's just, that's that just wasn't his ferociousness or style or – that level of strength and power or that mentality he was, but I mean, he could get out of space and screens, but half the time he wouldn't even get anybody blocked. So, I mean, he was just kind of there. So, but people assume because of that big contract that that meant that he was one of the top guards in the NFL. And that, that just wasn't reality. Cause I mean, the funny thing is, and I've said this time and time again, CJ <clears throat> Spiller, Laurent duvernay and Eric Berry all shared the same agent. And within a week's time, CJ Spiller got signed on a Friday. Laurent Duvernay Tardif got signed on that Monday or Tuesday in a new extension. And then within a couple of days, Eric Berry got his new extension. Again, that agent had a phenomenal week for three different clients that ended up joining the Chiefs. So, I look, what I'll say about LDT e. as a person, though, like you said, fantastic guy, very kind, very respectful, just just a very humble individual who didn't have to be as humble as he was given all that he had accomplished in the medical field and with some of the choices he made. And, you know, he, I, whenever I, you know, I'd say hi to him whenever we still had locker room access back then before COVID and, you know, always kind, even though like, you know, I'm breaking down his game and I'm saying the stuff that he's struggling on, but you know, I mean, like <laughs> I always felt bad about that early in my career, but then, like, I had some offensive linemen, and defensive linemen, tell me over the years, like, that just comes with a job. And they all kind of they told me that they respected what I did. So, like, that made me more comfortable being giving fair analysis of what my vantage point was, even if, it, you know, I got accept sometimes that it may not be accurate, it may not be what the offensive line coaches wanting them to do. So that's why I'm more cautious about what I say in a definitive term. Because I still don't know everything. I don't know the playbook in and out and all that type of stuff. So, and that's just something people need to be mindful of. But I will never question LDT's heart. I will never question the effort that that guy gave and how much he cared and what he did. Like, I mean, and, and what he accomplished and getting the degree that he did and being in the medical field, all that type of stuff. I, I hope he does well in New York or anywhere he wants to play in the NFL in the future in the medical field. Like, that... He's the guy that's going to be successful no matter what he does, in in life and in football and everything. So that's why I'm saying, like, I I hope everything works out well for him. And I hope, I mean, hey, either way, he, he got to make a a lot of money. And if there was any uh, education bills he had to pay in the medical field, like, I mean, he crushed that. He's got an NFL pension for life, and on top of it, he got to win a Super Bowl ring. He got to be a part of a Super Bowl parade. So. In that regard, I mean, he had one he's had one heck of a NFL career and been able to turn it into something pretty cool. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, his last action with the Chiefs was
1: starting in Super Bowl 54, um for the the Super Bowl
0: champion, you know, that went over the San Francisco 49ers. So but I um, hope people understand when I said that Trey Smith was gonna turn like he was gonna be. A Pro Bowl caliber guy whenever we were talking in the offseason i was like ldt's not getting that job back because I yeah. trey smith i already saw that stuff like you knew how much i was drilling all over that guy <laughs> like, i mean yeah. that, that like that dude i was like that dude is gonna be something special and if the chiefs got him i was gonna freak out and when i saw that they got him in the sixth round i would have done cartwheels that day if i could have like that i'm just telling you like that dude he's keleche simile 2.0 And I I loved watching Colletto assembly last year. So I'm just telling you, like as soon as Trey Smith came here, I was like, that's a wrap on that one. Like they got Tony on that side, Trey Smith on the other. Mm.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, look, the chiefs are in a better position, but um, kudos to them for, for allowing, like I said, for allowing Laurent DuVernay Tardif to go off and and see if he can, um, you know, play a few more years and be useful for a team like the jets. Um, Um, Okay. Now to the last thing I wanted to talk about, um, All right, man, Deshaun Jackson, now a free agent, um, Odell Beckham jr. Apparently, uh, I, who knows what he is with Cleveland, not practicing with Cleveland, um, he's on excused. the way, on he's the way excused out there for a while. Yeah. He's, he's on the way out. Um, listen, we were talking about this before the podcast. I don't think Odell Beckham jr. Is going to be available anytime soon. Um, because um, I think his contract is still too high. Right. Um, I think if you wait three or four weeks, that number comes down, and then someone may be able to tr- to um, claim him on waivers. Because look, the, the trade deadline's passed, so so Cleveland can't trade him anymore, um, and they don't want to eat that whole contract. And you know, per the the NFLPA, you know, the collective bargaining agreement, all that. They can basically sit him for a month um, without any penalty. They got to pay him, but they can sit him and get that number down. And that increases the chances that somebody will claim him off waivers. And if that happens, then they assume the remainder of his contract. And that means Cleveland's off the hook for that money. Also, if that happens, the chiefs are out because they still can't afford to squeeze him under the salary cap at that point. I don't think right If, however, he gets cut and then clears waivers, that's when the Chiefs would be able to potentially get back in and sign him. But again, I don't think that's going to happen for two, three, four weeks, depending on what the Cleveland Brain Trust thinks is the magic number that somebody will sign him for the remainder of the season at. Does that mean that if the Chiefs are going to address the wide receiver position, it's Deshaun Jackson or Bust?
0: I think... Jackson would be the primary guy if they were going to do something like that. Um, I mean, he would know the offense. He, you know, Veach would know him. Andy Reid would know him, and they could. He would be comfortable in the offense, and they would know how to utilize him if they like to go down that road. But does he have enough juice to make it to for him to be a difference maker? I, I mean, think he has some snaps left in him. It's just I'll I'm going to trust Danny Reid on what decision he and Brett Veach make together on that. And they'll, I think they'll, you know, one way or another, they'll, they'll figure out if he's a guy that they need to add to kind of help their offense or, and what, how many reps they would give him, what the, how they would use him if they had him. And if they did get him, I would assume that would supplement either Demarcus Robinson or Marcus Kemp at uh, the receiver spot. But in terms of Odell Beckham Jr., Teams I'm looking at right now, when I haven't, um, I'll compare their cap space here for a second to a certain extent. Like the Bears probably couldn't do it because they only got three and a three point four. Um, the the next it, team on that list that I'm looking so- at.
1: So right now he he's owed like more than seven million. If they wait a month, that number gets closer to five, I think, or something something along those lines. It's like it goes down like eight hundred eighty thousand dollars each week. Um, which is why you know they could get to a point where someone may be able to squeeze them under the cap at that point.
0: Yeah, because they're just trying to get as much of that money off their off their books as they can that they don't have to pay for. That's the beauty of waivers at this time of the year. Oh, the, the it's funny, the team that has the most cap to be able to do it probably won't do it and it's the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> yeah. Um the team that I that I honestly like I could see making a play for him, but they don't have the money right now either is the San Francisco 49ers. Like they could they could use him both short and long term. So that like the the teams that I would identify personally would be the Bears, the 49ers, I feel like the Panthers would be greedy enough. They would try it. I well, they said they think, want to be in on everybody. So, yeah, pretty much. The Saints, I could, I definitely see potentially trying it, but the poor Saints only have $710,000 in cap space. So they're, uh, they're not going to be able to get that done right now. The Raiders would have been a team I think would be in there, but it'd be about two and a half that they got available to them. Um, so,. And it, just because they, I can see them being mischievous like this. The Jacksonville Jaguars are probably the team that claim them since they got twenty-seven million dollars in cap space. Here, here's just the one be, thing I. Here's be, the
1: one thing I would say about that though. They've already got a decent receiving core down there. Um, guys like LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones. I mean, I, I don't. I I would also, I would be cautious to bring in a, a mercurial guy like an Odell Beckham Jr. Um, in when Trevor Lawrence is trying to establish with another $5 word, (laughs) um, you know, and look also, I mean, look, if I'm urban Meyer though, I mean, maybe, maybe people will forget about, you know, me not flying home with the team. If we add Odell Beckham jr. Make a splash. So I can see both sides of it. I, I, I don't know that long-term I want to put Trevor Lawrence in that position though. Cause it sure doesn't sound, you don't hear people in Cleveland, like you don't hear the teammates coming out, like upset about the way things are playing out right now, which suggests to me that yeah there isn't, there aren't a lot of, there isn't a lot of love lost in that locker room. Like there aren't a lot of guys who are, who are saying, you know, like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, you know, you know, this is, you know, like you just, you know, there've been the reports that like, he's distant and cold. The teammates in the locker room, stuff like that. I, I, I don't know if I want to add that with my number one overall pick face of the franchise, Trevor Lawrence.
0: That is certainly discussions that are happening in NFL <laughs> front offices right now,
1: but uh, you know, so he'll probably end up in Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> so, but l- listen, for, for those reasons though, if, if he does end up clearing waivers and if they decide to pass on Jackson, is that something you could see them doing down the road or I, would you or would you counsel against it?
0: I think it would come down to if he hit free agency and they could do it on a on a cheap one year prove it deal because hes still come off that a c l and i I still don't know if that's a hundred percent yet, but i mean I don't know i mean both of them both of them could help could help a little bit. it's just a matter of them doing their fact finding on how they how they are as teammates and how they could handle being in that locker room. That's kind of, that's where the bigger question becomes because the talent for both of them is there as players.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's they're both of them are the number two wide receiver immediately on the roster. If they come in, right. Potentially it just depends, it may, on depending on how chiefs Josh can... Gordon, you know, div- you know, how he, how he picks things up.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, let me put it this way. There there's worse wide receiver combos that the chiefs could have. <laughs> on yeah. their on their roster, and they've actually had them at times this year so <laughs> that that goes without
1: saying. uh last thing I want to ask you about um, Todd, this is turning into a marathon man I Come know on. but
0: but but you like Come Josh. On, it feels like the it feels like the the pop-up menu on Netflix is like are you done do- podcasting
1: <laughs> well we we forgot to ask about Josh I forgot to ask you about Josh Jackson after the Monday night game um you know um is that just why not take a chance? You know, maybe he can be better than Mike Hughes type.
0: <laughs> type yeah, series. no, it's, yeah, it's, and honestly, that's probably what you're gauging that on over the next month or so. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, he's more of a zone coverage guy. So, I mean, you just kind of put him on there, take a flyer on him, see how he does for a couple of weeks, how he does in the locker room, and then, you know, you kind of continue to work through that and see what can potentially come of that. And I'm curious to see if DeAndre Baker is going to be active this week or not.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: right like that's been uh yeah.
1: interesting situation we could talk about that next week uh if you still want to do a podcast with me or have i used up all your time this season
0: no oh, the men you just popped up and again and said are you still podcasting <laughs> <laughs> better to hit the... no on that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah no we're done we're done now we're done i have no more questions do you have any
1: questions for me no no <laughs> all right well then take care kids